Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip and on this episode I'll be joined by The Courier political editor Derek Healy to discuss a feature-length documentary out now on a scandal at the heart of breast cancer services in NHS Tayside. Patients, experts, whistleblowers, they all talk to Derek on camera, many for the first time. The documentary was published on St Andrew's Day and immediately caused waves at the Scottish Parliament, with Nicola Sturgeon put on the spot at First Minister's questions the following day. Some listeners will have seen the film and maybe read the coverage in the Courier newspaper and online. Today we're going to get the inside story and reveal some further developments at a story that just will not go away. But first, let's listen to a teaser for the full feature. We've lost our loved ones. It's going to happen inevitably to more and more people. It's something that they need to address because these are people's lives here. It was sort of like, we're really sorry you feel like that. It's not really a problem though, dear, is it? Off you go. Appalling, appalling. And they seem to care more about the reputation of the organisation, both in terms of government organisations and uh, health board, than they do about the service to patients. To me, it's an unmitigated disaster, a death foretold. Did you, did you take the response as threatening? Did you take it as being, you know, you better think very seriously about saying that stuff again? Yes. When what is stated in all the reviews is contrary to what the evidence says, you might like to think it was a cover-up and, and perhaps I couldn't disagree. Derek, we should start at the beginning, really. Well, in, in simple terms then, what is the, the, the basis of the problem and, and what kind of headlines are there from the, from the findings? Yeah, so to explain very, very briefly, first of all, to kind of background on this, so between 2016 and 2019, around 200 breast cancer patients were given lower doses of chemotherapy. Um, this wasn't some, you know, terrible thing that was done to them intentionally, you know, to try and harm them in any kind of way. Um, the doctors involved did this because they believed it was the best possible treatment for the patients. So they felt it was unacceptably toxic and a stronger dose. Um, but you had the lead cancer pharmacist at Tayside at the time um, felt this was just off the wall and, and dangerous and felt it was totally the wrong treatment. So he whistle blew and said, this is, this is wrong. So that's the kind of... That's a kind of background on this. Um, in terms of the st- story and where we are now, um, so basically, um, they couldn't they couldn't agree in, in who was correct, and I I also can't tell you who was correct. Um, that's not what this is about, you know, trying to understand which of those sides was right. So a government report came along and said that um, this treatment decision put patients at a one to two percent increased risk of having their cancer come back. So that's one woman a year effectively having their cancer return. Um, now because this is really sometimes really aggressive forms of breast cancer, in some of those cases, you're, you're basically talking a death sentence. You're saying that you know some of the, some of these women will die because of the treatment. So that's a an incredible claim to make. This one to two percent increased risk. Um, unfortunately, that claim had almost no evidence behind it. Um, it was basically the sort of opinion of people who are very clever people um, have lots of experience but there's nothing behind it. So for patients and families, they have no answers over um, what the real impact is on their health. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's much worse than 1% to 2%. We have no idea. And the sort of fallout of that, so the reputational damage associated with that, has made it incredibly difficult for NHS Tayside to 
higher staff. So you've had an exodus of staff and um, it's made it really difficult to fill those positions. So effectively, you've had a collapse of the breast cancer service in Tayside. Um, so all, all the way through, there's no answers. And that's really the crux of this. There's no answer over what actually happened. With this sort of idea of a bit of guesswork here, an expert opinion there, and the suggestions of cover-up as well, I mean, at the heart of it all, there, there's patients. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd be speaking to them as well. I mean, what's the, the, you know, the human side of this? How, how, how are they reacting? Well, it's had a devastating impact. Um, so you hear from some of the patients and family members in our documentary. For example, Lee, um, who set up a support group for the women affected by this scandal. She sets out how she wakes up every day and wonders, you know, is it aching her knee, just an aching her knee, or is it something worse? Or if she's got a sore head, could that actually be more than just a sore head? Does she just need to go and get a drink of water, or is it something much worse than that? Yeah, She's lost friends. Um, she describes in pretty harrowing detail how she's lost some of those friends um, and they have no answers over whether or not that was because of treatment decisions taken by their doctors. Um, we also speak to Les who lost his wife Ruth um, in November last year and the reality is that, that Les has to live with not knowing whether Ruth could be with him now um, and that's a question that he has hanging over him all the time. And that is the the real impact of this. I mean, it's it's been devastating for the careers of these doctors as well. Um, and I know that the you know, the health secretary he's interviewed in this documentary, and he spoke about how his focus is moving forward. You know, how do we get these services back up and running, and how do we sort this out? And I think that's you know that's understandable. I can I can totally understand why, as health secretary, that would be his focus. But for these patients, these families, how do you move on until you have yeah. concrete answers? And even even if the answer is, we just don't know, that's 1% to 2% increased risk. That's this claim. Put sort of defined odds on their, on their cancer coming back, you know, on their, on their long-term health. And the word that um, Lee used was compounded. It compounded the terror and the kind of, the pain of all this for them and the effect it had on their life to have this figure come out and that would have been bad enough but then you have the fact that they can't put any faith in that figure because you've got experts and you've got everyone coming in mean, you've got everybody who's involved in this you've got the doctor you've got the whistleblower the patients and the families all seen in this documentary um we don't buy it we don't buy that one to two yeah. percent so it's even worse well when you're raising all these questions and putting the documentary out the, the next day it got to a wider audience. Um, it was picked up by the Scottish Labour leader, Anas Sarwar, who took it to the Scottish Parliament debating chamber and raised it with the First Minister in the weekly questions session. We can have a, a listen to that now. Presenting officer, breast cancer chemotherapy in NHS Tayside has collapsed, leaving vulnerable women travelling across the country to receive life-saving treatment. At the root of the problem is a chemotherapy dosing scandal that has gone on for three and a half years. Yesterday, The Courier released a documentary where the women affected and grieving families demanded answers. We now know that nobody believes the conclusions of the reports commissioned by the First Minister's government. Patients don't believe them, the doctors don't believe them, and even the whistleblower who first raised the alarm described the conclusions of the reports as nothing more than a guess. For years, Labour has raised this issue and been dismissed by this government. So will the First Minister order an independent inquiry to restore confidence, to relaunch the service and give patients and the public the facts they need? First Minister. Well, firstly, 
Before responding uh, to the very serious issues that have been raised, can I say, first of all, that Anna Sarwar is wrong to describe the Tayside service as having collapsed. Uh, that neither comes close to accurately describing the current service, nor does it do anything to help any current patients or the dedicated doctors that are working within that centre. And let me illustrate that point, because it is a really important point for those, uh, particularly those in Tayside who might be watching this right now. Uh, there are around 150 new patients referred to Tayside breast services every week. Out of them, around seven will receive treatment in another centre. Uh, so it is just wrong, and I think shamefully wrong, to use the word collapsed to describe a service in which uh, doctors are working in a dedicated fashion in which many uh, patients are being treated every single week. Um, in terms of the uh, issues about the review, these are serious issues. These are issues uh, that require to be assessed uh, by experts and by clinicians. Uh, I am not, and politicians uh, are not uh, clinicians with the expertise to reach uh, judgments ourselves on uh, these matters. I will look carefully at what has been reported today, as will the Health Secretary, and if there is further, uh, a further process of review that is necessary, we will not shy away from uh, taking that. Uh, the RCP review commissioned by NHS Tayside into prescribing practices up to early 2020 uh, happened. The, the board will be implementing all of its uh, recommendation. That review looked at a random selection of case notes from before and after uh, the HIS review uh, and confirmed variation in practice against national norms as the HIS review had already found, uh, but pointed to a range of improvements in practice uh, since then. And the authors of that RCP review included four oncologists, uh, and of course its findings aligned with previous published reviews, including that of Healthcare Improvement Scotland. So we will continue to take these issues uh, seriously, uh, but we will also do so responsibly. Well, I think we should probably dissect that response a little bit there, Derek, because um, you're in the political arena there, it's a partisan mm -hmm. Labour and SNP knockabout, but this is um, on a subject which is goes far beyond party politics. What, what did you make of Nicola Sturgeon's response? Well, I suppose the whether or not the word collapse is appropriate is probably subjective, isn't it, to whoever's whoever's looking at it. Um, I think the the figures that have been stated there are, are slightly, I don't know if they're misleading or just not very clear. Um, so Nicola Sturgeon referred to 150 patients being referred each week to um, the Breast Cancer Service and Tayside. Um, those aren't cancer patients. Those are, that's 150 people who are sent on to surgical clinic with um, you know, maybe an abnormality and a mammogram or something. You know, just a kind of general concern. They're sent on just to go and speak to doctors and, and find out. Um, the seven people that are being sent elsewhere for treatment is basically pretty much everyone who actually presents with early stage disease. So pr pretty much everyone yeah. who's been diagnosed with cancer, almost everyone goes and sees a radiotherapist, not everyone, there's a few exceptions to that, um, but pretty much everyone. And they're all being sent elsewhere for treatment at the moment. That's 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 what was going on there. So to say that that doesn't constitute a collapse, I think is quite a strange thing to say. She also said that the RCP London report that came out, so this was a report that came out back in October, it wasn't really public until our investigation came out, okay. but uh, she said that that aligned with previous reports. Of course, that's not true. Um, it conflicts massively with previous reports, both in terms of um, its finding on consent, whether patients should have been told about this variation, 
it conflicts massively with that. So just even just in the details in this, it just doesn't really add up. And I think for I know that patients and families watched that exchange and I know they were incredibly frustrated by it. Yeah. And I think they were frustrated not just because, you know, you've got the first minister responding to our investigation by saying actually, basically, the department's okay, don't worry about it. Um, which I think they found incredibly annoying. Um, but also just the the lack of a grasp of the basic details here is problematic. You know, if you if you have lost your wife, if you are living with this and you're tuning in to see, okay, what is the, you know, the first minister's been asked about this, what is she gonna say? And that's the response. Um mm. yeah, that, that was what they told me. They told me they were very frustrated by it. Of course, um, listening to that, you, you know, people can't tell that uh, just to Nicola Sturgeon's side was sitting Health Secretary Hamza Yousaf yeah. as well. He features in the documentary. Um, uh, what what role has he had, um, you know, in, in coming to terms with, with the findings of this? Has he been saying anything in particular? Well, yeah, I mean, so you're, you're absolutely correct. You know, Hamza Yousaf took part in our documentary and stood with me and answered the questions I had. Uh, which was very good of him and you know I was able to put forward some of the concerns of patients to him in that interview. Unfortunately one of the concerns that patients and families have had is that on several occasions they've asked to meet with the health secretary with his predecessor Gene Freeman and with Nicola Sturgeon. Um, to date that has not happened. They've never sat down and listened to their concerns um, which I think some people will find quite bizarre because in other, we know in other cases where Ministers have sat down and listened to people we know where um, there's been other kind of scandals or issues in public life. Generally, they'll sit down and speak to people. Um, I think probably part of that is because what answers can you really give beyond what's in the reports if you're not going to go and do an investigation? Um, it's obviously incredibly difficult. When I asked him if he would meet with patients, um, he said he was he was focused on getting the services back up and running. He wouldn't meet with patients. Um, he has been meeting with um, the doctors involved. Um, he is going to be meeting with the current oncology team, I believe, next week as well. But for now, um, I asked him if he would follow along with the requests of patients and instruct an inquiry, and he said no. So mm -hmm. um, that's been his involvement to date. It's very much been focused on, on getting the service back up and running. And people can obviously read into that what they will. While people are waiting for that um, next step kind of mm -hmm. thing, it's clear that the government, any government, always wants to do that. It's time to move on. And, you know, the, there's a sense that she's, Nicola Sturgeon was maybe playing the the party political uh, line. She just gets frustrated with an ASSAR where if he, if he um, hits a nerve perhaps and, and then the focus goes away from the patients. But it was sort of a, after that, the, the feedback from it, like you were mentioning there from, from people involved in this, but there's a sense of denial. Um, is that is that a fair assumption to take that they're in denial? Well, that was a that was a the quote from Manasarwar, wasn't it? When when this was all kind of done, this FMQ session, that's what he said that the first minister is in denial. Um, I mean, again, it's subjective, isn't it? It's difficult because it's you know how how do you look? What is a collapsed service? I mean, a lot of people may say that patients being sent elsewhere for treatment. Um, at one stage, there was no oncologist at all. I understand that they've now got a, a, a locum oncologist who's going to be there for a set amount of time, you know, a, temp, a temporary solution to this to this problem. It's not a long-term solution. Um, people need to make their own mind up if that's a collapsed service and whether the First Minister's in denial. 
Um, but I think there's, from someone who's been who's been working on this for years and and been asking questions of the government, um, it doesn't really feel as if there's ever been a kind of concrete answer to this. It's always been we're going to look forward to this, we're going to look forward to that, and see what happens. The first minister said that if there is a need for further review, they will not shy away from that. But I'm not really clear what that means. Does that mean they are going to look into this further? Because it would seem to me, and it certainly seems to the patients and families involved, that there is a need for, for further answers on this. Um, yeah. So how is that going to come about? I mean, she didn't she didn't answer the question. You know, Anna Sarwar asked her directly, will you call an inquiry? Um, there was no yes or no to that specifically. It was, if there's a need for no. further review, we won't shy away. I don't, I don't know where that goes from there. No, and this is the, the confusing thing, because on one hand, you're listening to the, the leader of the government saying that actually things are okay. Mm-hmm. But the documentary, over an hour, is absolutely filled with people who have experience at every single level, whether it's his patient, doctor, they're all raising questions that they say have not been answered. So, I mean, the mismatch couldn't be clearer. This isn't a case of... Um, a politician being able to stand up and just tell an opponent an opponent in a debating chamber, now you're wrong. I mean, there's a whole hour's worth of examples of where there are unanswered questions. I mean, just to wind back a little bit, we were talking about how patients have to go elsewhere. I mean, we, just to sort of give the, the the geography of this a little bit, I mean, what, what are we talking about? I mean, the NHS Tayside obviously covers a very large area and it covers Dundee, where this is focused, um, as well as Perth and, and towns and villages all over. Where are these patients or uh, women involved in it being sent? So there's a, an agreement in place with um, Glasgow where you know they're basically going for radiotherapy in, the, in these other locations. Um, so that, that's where they're being sent. And that can be, you know, again, they talk about this a little bit in the documentary, but what people are going through at that time is a pretty harrowing experience. I mean, it's really, really unpleasant stuff and yeah. you know you're, you're not feeling very well when this is going on so the thought of having to travel down to, to Glasgow to get some of these treatments I mean you can, I can't even imagine I think it would be impossibly hard you know, when that's going well, on and you know yeah. I, I appreciate it obviously it's good that there is something in place at least there is something and you know NHS Tayside has done what they can to make that happen and the Scottish government's been involved in that process as well so you know it's obviously good that there is something there um, but it's, it's far from ideal. Um, you talk, obviously, Nicola Sturgeon has agreed that she's going to go away and, and watch our documentary. That was one of the things that came out of First Minister's questions. Um, but just in, in terms of, you know, you're talking about the evidence and what people are saying, I mean, she, if she does watch that documentary, she'll hear from Norman Pratt, who is a former board member of NHS Tayside, an, an incredibly experienced um, doctor as well. And um, she'll hear from him his concerns that, this the kind of rot will spread if this isn't addressed. If you double down in this and don't put your hands up, it gets worse. And both he and Douglas Adamson, who is the oncologist um, who retired um, during this process and speaks in our documentary, both of them are concerned that the kind of wider oncology service could be at risk here, and that this is going to cause bigger problems. So that is that is a concern. I mean, just because you know, again, it's subjective to what what kind of condition this breast cancer service at the moment but the wider cancer service they are saying is at risk as well so i mean it's it's, it's incredibly concerning 
for people right across the side. I very much do hope that Nicola Sturgeon has watched it already or is watching it now. So we'll see. You mentioned as well that uh, the the oncology department, which had no oncologists, that does have a locum now. Um, we're, we're covering that in more detail uh, on, on our website and in print um, around about now as we're doing this podcast. So what, what more can you say about the long-term implications? Because this is, some people would say that this is a sticking plaster and they're obviously trying to bring in a, a team that's more permanent, but it doesn't sound like a long-term solution has been found at all. No, not really. And I think so obviously the whistleblower and the, the consultant disagree about what was the right kind of treatment here and, and, and what was the right way forward and things like that. Everyone agrees that um, the oncology team that is there now are doing incredible work. These are top doctors and, you know, the, the people who were there before, there was nothing malicious in anything that was going on. These were people trying to do the best for their patients and disagreeing on what was the what was the best way forward. Um, this this locum coming in for you know, a temporary amount of time, that is a, that is effectively is a sticking plaster, isn't it? It's not going to solve the problem. I know that NHS Tayside have been working incredibly hard to try and bring in new staff, but it is difficult. You know, we are going to have more in this tomorrow, and it says, this is one of the things we talk about in the documentary as well, but we have seen um, leaked internal communications at NHS Tayside that showed that earlier this year they had an enhanced advertising campaign to bring in six new consultants, um, which would have been a sort of a full complement of what was there before this scandal got underway. Um, they had hundreds of people view it, look at this advert, and it was closed with no applications. Um, I mean, that is horrendous to think about, that, you know, these people are looking at this and going, it's not for us, it's not for us. And I think one of, one of the concerns that people have here, and we talked about this, this idea of moving on versus this idea of getting answers for patients, there is a concern that the longer this goes on, the more and more this drips out, these these different issues of all this, that it's going to make it even more difficult to hire people long term. And I think that's been a big part of the push for some kind of independent inquiry here as well. Because if this just carries on, if we are five years from now and we're still talking about this and, and you know details are still coming out and emerging and things like that, how do you, how do you get things back on track? How do you resolve this without, you know, in a shorter period of time, answering the questions one way or the other. Um, that's what the doctors say. It's what the board member says, what the patients and families say. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how you do that without getting answers. Is that ultimately what we need here, an inquiry? If, something, if they want a fresh start, we need to get back to the root. Well, that's that's um, what we've seen from the, the main two um, opposition parties at Hollywood. They are, they are calling for a, an independent inquiry into this. Um, Michael Mara who has been quite closely involved in, in this case as well. Um, he made the point that he would like to see it completely removed from NHS side and the Scottish Government or his or any, any of the people who have been involved in this previously. There would need to be a fresh group looking at this and trying to get answers. I think that anyone who watches the documentary would struggle to come away from it without thinking, we can't carry on as we've been carrying on. This this can't continue like this. Um I think there's very limited options for how you move forward. Um, so yeah, I, th I think 
you know, the, the case that we have made in the Courier is that there should be an inquiry. Um, and I don't see any other way around that, really. If you want to get things properly back on track, if you want to have answers for patients that they deserve, then, yeah, it's got to be an inquiry, I think. Is that uh, something that the Parliament's committee system can look at as well? I mean, there's a health committee sitting there mm -hmm. looking for for um, problems to fix. Is that something that they could maybe look at? Are we hearing anything from them? I think that's, I mean, if, if the health secretary's already said, no, they does, he doesn't want to, he's not going to instruct an inquiry. If Nicola Sturgeon won't instruct an inquiry, then that's one of the avenues you have open to you then. I mean, does a health committee then come in and have a look at this? Uh, I, my understanding is that they are meeting early next week, I think it's Tuesday, um, and they're going to be discussing some of their kind of agenda. So possibly this will be one of the things they look at. Um, I think those are the kind of avenues that's going to have to go down. I mean, we've had the two co-conveners of the Scottish Parliament's cross-party group in cancer say there should be an inquiry. You've got patients and families saying there should be an inquiry. You've got both uh, Labour and the Conservatives, I think the Lib Dems have also said it as well at one stage, but I'm not 100% sure, um, calling for an inquiry on this. Um, I mean, what? there's got to be some answers. There's got to be some answers at some stage. Um, so yeah, so maybe, maybe that will be the avenue that has to go down if the Scottish government won't won't do it. Okay. Well, I would encourage anyone who's been listening to that and wants to find out more to head over to the Courier website where you can uh, see the all the reporting and follow the link to the documentary um, and subscribe to that there and watch it yourself. And you won't just have to listen to us because that is all we have time for this week. Thank you very much to Derek Healy producer Morvan McIntyre and of course to you for listening. We'll be back next week with more but until then and even after then pick up and log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal and all of our news brands so that you can be better briefed. The Stushi is the politics podcast from DC Thompson designed to help you understand the implications of what happens in Holyrood, Westminster and our communities so that you can be better briefed. Don't miss an episode by following the Stushi today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you know folks like you who want to understand politics in Scotland a little better, suggest they tune in or follow Stushi Scott on Twitter and Facebook. And stay even more up to date on local and Scottish news by subscribing to The Courier or Press and Journal where you can get one month of unlimited access for just £1. Check the episode notes for details and terms.